Thank you for tuning in to hashtag DITD down in the den. As always, I'm your host, Mars. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Monday Night Raw. We're going to do a review about all the segments, the changes, and really just get into it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So the episode opened up with a United States title match. Apollo Crews versus uh, MVP uh, to, I guess, unite the title. MVP's fake title, which looks better than Apollo Crews' actual title. Um, so it was a it was a good match. Now, overall, I just want to before I even get into the match and our review of Monday Night Raw. Kudos to WWE for trying something different. In this no-fans era, it's certainly been extremely difficult for them to find their footing and provide compelling TV each and every week. Not to mention recent creative changes behind the scenes. Clearly, Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard have different ideas of what they want to present in a wrestling program. And I'll, I'll have to admit, it can be very jarring to see storylines drop without explanations and characters flipping back and forth from heel to face without really any good reason. The days are long gone from pro wrestling being presented as legitimate sport. So in reality, we all know we watch for storylines. And I have long stated that pro wrestling is just athletic storytelling. One thing that has truly been missing lately is the element of surprise in storylines that really make me want to tune in. Before Raw even began, WWE announced the return of Shane McMahon, and they announced that a new faction would debut. I'm totally against that. Now, I certainly understand the ratings have been in the gutter, and they did not want to have another record low, but I will never, ever be a fan of announcing returns or surprises to get a cheap boost in ratings for that particular week. I would rather be surprised, let word of mouth do its thing, and have people tune in the next week. It's much better to sacrifice that one specific week than to really be surprised. Another big deal with me is under-promise and over-deliver. But I digress. Back on to the Apollo Crews match. Apollo Crews is back from this mystery disappearance storyline. He was injured by Lashley. I don't know if it was COVID-related. I don't want to speculate, but... I do know wrestlers have been disappearing for weeks on end during this pandemic. WWE has been pretty silent from the initial wave of breakout, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was impacted by COVID-19, but it's not my place to speculate on someone's health. Uh, The match was pretty good, and I have been extremely oppressed with MVP since his return from the Royal Rumble, and with no pun intended, he has been the MVP of Monday Night Raw. I totally expected him to put over Cruz. I know initially he was there to put over younger talent, but I'm really going to need something more from Cruz, personality-wise. And I don't know if that's Vince and Creative holding him back 
or if he doesn't have it. Um, he really is great in the ring. He has a good look to him, but just the white meat baby face personality and the smiling, it's never going to work. It didn't work in the 90s with The Rock. They did the same thing, him smiling, and people replied with, die, Rocky, die. And when he got to be himself and got to crank that up, that's when he became the superstar that he did. Now, I'm not saying Cruz can cut a promo like The Rock. Not too many professionals can. But this just smiling, do-gooder, lack of personality, it's just not going to work. And for him really to shine, and I don't want to see him get wasted, I'm going to need to see a little bit more attitude, a little bit more burn. Let him be more of himself. And I think that would truly, truly benefit him. But speaking of MVP, I would love a Bailey and Sasha Banks show. They have really taken advantage of Becky Lynch being out with pregnancy and Charlotte being out with her surgery. And they have showed some signs of dissension with Banks and Bailey before. Um, but I just love this inevitable face turn for Banks. And I hope they can hold this out because the golden role models are golden. And I would hope they would hold out when them breaking up until at least Mania, where we get that Bailey versus Banks match that everyone is clamoring for, and and they can just really uh, turn the house down, uh, or tear the house down. And, and Banks is probably one of my favorite in-ring performers, male or female, of this generation. Bailey too. Uh, Banks has a little bit more in the ring, but Bailey promo is golden, and, and I love the golden role models. Uh, they followed that up with a fairly odd Kevin Owens segment. They did the KO show with him reuniting the Riot Squad. Uh, and then, of course, the Iconics interfered. And obviously, if you're going to have a women's tag team division, you need more tag teams uh, from the women. And if you're not going to do anything separately with Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, it's perfectly fine to put the Riot Squad back together. But I felt like it should have been earned, maybe a blow off match and then have them jump by the Iconics and they have to unite to save each other. But just her coming out with the sob story, oh, I thought you didn't need me. So I attacked you. It just didn't work for me. And I also felt it was strange that Owens, to my recollection, has never had any on screen interaction with any of those women was doing the segment reuniting him. But I judged too quickly. After the segment, KO had a confrontation with Flair where he explained that, hey, he wants to be the locker room role model that he would like to see. And that's why he was bringing them together. It's the little things. And certain wrestlers are really good on bringing up those little things. Kevin Owens is one of them. Uh, Bray Wyatt, of course, of bringing the history back that WWE is too often so quick to just forget something that happened just a month ago, just a week ago, I like continuity and the fans really enjoy continuity. And Kevin Owens is one of those uh, wrestlers that recognizes that. And he always tends to bring that in to his storyline. I love the segment with Drew McIntyre. It was a little bit of a shooting going on, it seemed. But uh, Orton at this point is the best heel in the business and maybe the best wrestler in the business is it's hard to argue and i feel awful because drew is really doing the best he can in this pandemic era of pro wrestling but i think he's going to drop the belt and i think he's going to drop it at SummerSlam. but you know what i'm okay with that drew deserves to have a title ring when the audience is there 
I think he is better as a face hunting after the belt. He was gold in his feud with Brock Lesnar. And I would have no issues of a McIntyre versus Orton. They're two big, fantastic wrestlers in the ring. They both can cut a hell of a promo. Um, But Orton is right white hot right now and 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 he's gonna get the strap at SummerSlam. i'm calling that right now and and uh angry drew mcintyre disappointed that his first wwe title reign came so short to orton that could be gold if done right and i think orton is gonna make sure that it's done right and i i wouldn't even mind a triple threat at wrestlemania for the title of uh, orton mcintyre edge that could be something really good that can benefit McIntyre. And he had a great promo shooting. You know, he said, hey, I got fired. I deserved it. But to my understanding, you should have been fired multiple times. And we know Orton's had several pops for PDs. He's had behavior issues. He said this himself. So uh, really, really good, good uh, segment. Uh, I just feel so bad for Drew McIntyre because right now he should be at an all-time high, but with the pandemic and no fans, his title reign is going to get cut short. I'm just calling that. Nia Jax, never been a huge fan of her, but she had a pretty good segment, and it's going to make her look strong. She uh, had a little rivalry going on with Pat Buck. She's, uh, I think that's his name. I may be saying that wrong. Um, Of course, she had a Royal Rumble confrontation with Orton so it was really cool how she kind of gave that side eye when she passed Orton uh, showed continuity that she's not forgetting and this rivalry and her being indefinitely suspended quote unquote is going to keep her out the title scene for a while because when you have a monster like Nia Jax who legitimately can hurt people it's hard to argue that she shouldn't be in the title scene so I think it's smart for the WWE having her with the suspended uh, session and having her have this feud with Pat Buck to keep her out of the title scene for a while. And, uh, you know, pretty decent segment with her. Shelton had a 24-7 championship segment, lost the title, which isn't a big deal. That's a part of the 24-7 title. I think our truth is on his 150th reign by now. Uh, but I was wondering why the WWE was burying the Hurt Business. We saw MVP lose the sh- belt that he never actually won but he lost his match um shelton lost his match bobby lashley isn't in a title picture right now so i was a little upset because it felt like they were burying the hurt business and let me tell you those three are gold technically shelton benjamin has it all in the ring he's had it all for the last 15 years but he just hasn't been the best on the mic MVP is fantastic on the mic, decent in the ring, has great size, has a good look, is a veteran. Same with Bobby Lashley. He has it all in the ring, has a good look. He's better at promos than Shelton Benjamin, but still not the best. Hence why he's been with mouthpieces like Leo Rush and Lana. But him with MVP, those two by the side, the Hurt Business can be huge. Given the proper attention, let them win the matches, let them dominate cause havoc i think they can be huge so i was a little bummed that it seemed like as soon as they really got established they've been established two or three weeks now as the hurt business that they were losing their belts and and seems like they were getting buried but that's why they say patience is key and i'll I'll 
talk about that a little bit later. Banks versus Baszler was a hell of a match, and Banks has been my favorite in-ring performer this year and one of the best male or female in the business. But the ending was hot garbage. Asuka came out, who was not involved in the match, and she attacked Bailey, who was not involved in the match. And for some reason, that ended in a no contest. It's little things like that. Little things like that when you're the largest, most successful wrestling promotion in the world is unacceptable. So I don't know who's in charge of that, but you got to pay attention. Treat it like a legitimate sport. Give rules. And when the rules are broken, we'll all understand. WWE is huge for introducing things. And then Vince gets tired of his toys and they just drop them, such as the uh, superstars coming from other shows challenging once a week or wild card rules or whatever it may be. They'll introduce these things in an effort to get ratings and they just drop them without explanation. And something simple like the reason a match would be disqualified or made a no contest Messing that up is unacceptable. So got to do some focus on a little thing. Uh, Garza and Andrade. Gold Garza reminds me of a young Eddie Guerrero. Rumors are that Vince sees the same. And they have been great. And it's just a matter of team, time before the tag team titles come into their possession. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's at SummerSlam. Uh, and then the 10 o'clock hour comes around and we see Shane in the back with a huge bodyguard. It looks like he's in a basement. And we see the debut of Raw Underground. Now, I heard rumors on the dirt sheets that there would be some type of debut of a shoot fighting. But after seeing the documentary from Dark Side of the Ring about Tuffanu, I knew for a fact that WWE would never, ever put someone in a real fighting situation. So I knew it wasn't going to be shoot fighting. Uh, And... What we see is WWE's version of Fight Club and with no ring ropes, no rules, more of a a just Fight Club style, MMA style. And at first I kind of laughed at it when I saw the dancing girls in mesh in the basement. I just kind of laughed and I was like, oh, boy, this is desperation. And then. I thought at 10 o'clock until the show went off, the whole hour would be run raw underground. But after we see a match from a uh, Bobo Tante, I'm definitely butchering that. They cut back to regular raw, which was super jarring. And you see Samoa Joe and the commentators like, Oh, I like it. But I just, I just felt it was jarring. We go back to the street profits one-on-one having matches with Garza and Andrade respectively. And the segment was good, uh, but they did the whole odd poisoning of Montez Ford. But if this leads to a Bianca Blair versus Selena Vega uh, match, I'm for it. I like both of those two, especially Belair. Um, But I just kind of felt it was weird. They cut back to Raw Underground. We see, uh, I believe, Eric from the Viking Raiders, uh, against a no name and then another match with Dolph Ziggler and by the time they got Ziggler I started to warm up to what they were doing with this Raw Underground uh, It kind of reminds me of Lucha Underground no pun intended but I, I started to dig it and I really thought the presentation uh, could work and I started to think of it instead of cutting back and forth that this is just Shane doing his thing in the basement of the performance center 
and it's just going on simultaneously with Raw and they cut back and forth. So I started really to like it. I am not, not, and I've said this before in other episodes, I don't know what it is with the Seth Rollins, and he's been giving a lot of TV time, but the Monday Night Messiah, it just doesn't, it could be so much better. And he's doing the best. He's doing the best with what he can do and what he's been handed. But I still don't really know his mission statement. Members disappear. I'm now hearing that uh, Idol has been suspended without announcement. Hopefully he's okay and it's not health related. But they have members like AOP and, and Idol that come and go. And the only one that's really been consistent is Murphy. And I... I just don't see how you can be a leader, call yourself the Monday Night Messiah, with one disciple. We need to have more members. We need to have consistent members. And as I mentioned, if he's going to be a savior, he should be showing up on all three shows. We see Banks and Bailey doing triple duty. I've said this before. Jesus had 12 disciples. He should have four disciples on each brand and him showing up and his four disciples on each brand just doing his bidding and really making Seth Rollins the most hated guy in the industry if that's what they're going for. Now, I mentioned that I I was upset earlier because it seemed like the Hurt Business was just being buried right when they started to get hot. But patience is a virtue because they dropped those belts to get out of the storyline because they essentially came in, took over Raw Underground, beat up everybody and it was gold and then i started noticing the hip-hop music in the background and i said holy shit this is def jam vendetta that's what they're going for seeing those guys with their chains in the suit this is def jam vendetta and it's awesome and i really really dig it and uh it was cool they beat up some more people took over and said hey you know what the hurt business is taking over management this can be good if they don't jump the gun and push things too quickly, this can be something that can really, really benefit Raw, especially in that later hour. I've always said if you're going to go PG, PG, be PG from 8 to 10 and 10 to 11, make it PG-13. And Raw Underground can do that. We could see more of the Attitude Era and maybe eventually if it gets the ratings up, they can leak into the main hours. But if that's where they're going to head for this, I'm really excited. And then I remember they promised they'd debut of a new faction. And I don't remember seeing any faction. We saw the lights flicker. We saw Montez Ford being poisoned, which I'm sure is going to be attributed to this. And then they showed a little video of a faction that just looked like a bunch of regular guys in hoodies blow up a power generator with Molotov cocktails. The next day they announced that this new faction is going to be called the Retribution guess they're going to do a slow slow burn uh, for this. The hoodies seemed a little too close to Black Lives Matter or Antifa, which is bad taste. It's rumored that they stopped the new nation of domination and made it to hurt business because they didn't want to really focus on the social uh, outcries that's going on in the world right now, nor do I think they should. Uh, but I think it was kind of in bad taste. Their hoodies and the whole Molotov cocktail seemed like it was getting a little too close to Antifa or Black Lives Matters. But, uh, you know, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And, and I'm really interested to see 
who the members of the Retribution are going to be. Looks like a couple of NXT room uh, wrestlers are going to be a part of this, I believe. We already saw that uh, Dominic Dojovinik, which I'm sure I'm butchering his name, has uh, changed his profile. And it's rumored that he's going to be one of the members. It looked like from the people in the hoodies, if that are truly the wrestlers, it looks like a female was one of the wrestlers. So, you know, who do you think is going to be in this new faction? I'm hoping Ciampa. Uh, he's been gone for a while. He's a fantastic heel. He's a fantastic performer, face or heel. And I would love to see him be the leader of this new faction. But we'll see. We'll see. So overall, this week, I give Raw a 7 out of 10, a marked approval from the last couple of weeks. That's it for this Raw review. And as always, thank you for listening to Hashtag DITD down in the den. And as always, deuces.